this should be kind of fun. At least I hope. Because my goal is, sorry, my goal is to do to use this a little bit tonight. Um, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Um, we're going to talk about meditating on Scripture. How to meditate on Scripture. Uh, there's a couple of verses uh, I want you to go to first. Who can turn to, uh, in fact, I have it right there. What's Joshua? What? It's on your, Joshua 1.8. Who can read Joshua 1.8 for us? Anyone want to turn there? Yes, ma'am, you got it? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I've transferred my own Bible. It's okay. No, um, I have two different Bibles. My phone and one's easier to manage to go to one side. I got it. Joshua. One. Eight. Um, okay, I got it. Sorry, I apologize. No problem. That's all right. That's all right. Take your time. I'll tell you what, why don't you wait? Oh, you got it? Okay, good. Okay, so it says this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Very good. Very good. Yes, yeah, a King James translation of the book, uh, Joshua 1.8. Um, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, right? But you shall do what? You shall meditate. What is the word meditating? We tend to think of our culture today when they say meditate. What do we think of? Yes, we think of transcendental meditation. Oh, Transcendental TM, right? People are like crossing their legs and doing ohm. Yeah, the ohm sound. Uh, that is not what the Bible's talking about when it says, let this uh, meditate on the Word of God. What it's actually referring to is this idea of thinking about and, 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 and really um, chewing on, metaphorically speaking, the Word of God. It's to think about something, to ingest something, to dwell on it, to repeat on it over and over again until you can see it from. Every angle. Psalm 1997 says, Oh, hi, I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Well, the law of God is my meditation. It's what I want. Um, and then another verse that I like is this one out of Psalm 1914, which says, Let the words of my mouth and the what? Meditation of my heart. Yeah, meditation of my heart. Oops. I guess I have to do that. And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my strength and my redeemer, or my rock and my redeemer. So um, what are some steps? What I would like us to do today is, as we talk about the Word of God and how to meditate on it, if you're in 1 Corinthians 13, because that's where we're going to be most of our thing. In fact, I encourage you to sketch out some things on your piece piece of paper I gave you, and we're going to type in some of this stuff on the board here. I want you to notice a couple things here. Uh, there's there's some steps that I've developed, and these are just some basic steps. In fact, this is not like uh, these steps are not God inspired. These are just Marshall written down, which means that you might find better steps. You might find more effective ways of doing this. This is just my way of meditating on the Word of God. Okay, so understand that this is not authoritative. This is just my way of doing it, and I think it's effective. Uh, if you have things you want to add in that would be helpful, raise your hand and tell me. Because I would love to add them in. I, I'm not pretending like I have 
uh, a monopoly on this. Okay, so step one. First thing you do is uh, read the passage in its entire. And by the way, what we're going to do is we're going to do this on 1 Corinthians 13. So this is this part I'm doing right now. It should be pretty short. Read the passage in its entirety. Why would you do that? Yeah, you want the whole picture. You don't want to, like, read one verse and assume it's talking about something and really think about it and then realize that's not what it's saying. By reading, and sometimes the next, the next verse and the next phrase will give you more insight. So read the whole passage. On your first time through the passage, try your best to understand what it is saying, not getting bogged down in difficulty. Again, if you, if you come across something and you're like, I wonder what this means, don't get distracted. Just keep going. Keep going. Sometimes it clarifies itself. Um, uh, you'll have time to ask those questions later. But in the meantime, just, just it helps to just keep reading. Um, this is something that took me a long time to learn, is that don't get bogged down, just keep going. On your second time through, try to discern the limits of the passage. Now, what do I mean by that? The limits of the passage. Where does it start and where does it end? Okay? So, like, if you're reading 1 Corinthians 13, like I'm looking at it in my Bible right now, oh, we have a nice little chapter here. But um, but there's actually, and I included it on your sheet, I included the last part of chapter 12 in our discussion of chapter 13, and I show you still a more excellent way. And I do that on, on purpose, because I believe that that is, is a, um, is going to, it actually introduces chapter 13. And when you come to chapter 14... Um, there's a change, there's a shift. So I know that really our ideas begin at chapter 12, verse uh, 31, I think, B, and then goes into chapter 13, verse 13. And that's where it really stops. That's what I'm going to say. So basically we're talking about, are we talking about a unit of thought? Should you take a paragraph or a whole chapter or more? Uh, sometimes a story takes a while to develop if it's the Old Testament. So read it and, and try to discern where your limits are, where your start point is your end point, if you're going to meditate. So here's step number two. Make a list of questions you want to answer. Okay? This is where that thing comes through where you're not sure about something. Write it down. Take a notepad. Jot down questions. We're going to do that today as we talk about this. Find any words or phrases that are confusing and mark them as, quote, to investigate or however you want to put it. Best questions to ask are the reporter questions with the five W's and an H. You know these? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Those are the best questions you ask. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Five W's and an H. Um, you should know those questions. If you ever write a paper, that's a great place to start. If you ever investigate the Word of God, ask those questions. Step three, divide the passage into clear subsections if necessary. So sometimes there are clear subsections, and we're going to talk about that today. Okay. Step four, mark any repeating words or ideas. See if these repeated ideas help form a theme, a main idea, a big idea of the passage. Um, Now, there are, uh, let me see here. Some t- okay, so when it comes to these repeated words, you want to skip words that are, like, insignificant. What are some idea of insignificant words that you could skip that are repeated sometimes? The, the and, but. <laughs> you know, you, sometimes words like you or whatever. You know, there are sometimes words that are repeated that aren't that big of a deal to be repeated. Other times, if you see the word righteousness repeated over and over and over again, you have an idea that it might be talking about righteousness as a theme. Okay. Um, step five, ask yourself, is the Bible here trying to make me change, one, my behavior, two, my thinking, or three, both? What is the scripture trying to address about me? Sometimes the scripture 
is telling you truth to try to get you to change your thinking. Sometimes it's telling you action words. It's saying you need to do things in order to change your behavior. And sometimes it's telling you you need to change your behavior because of what you're thinking. There's a handout right up there, Olivia. Grab it. It'll help you through this, this little workshop we're doing. Awesome. And then number six. This is important because it really helps. Summarize, articulate the passage in your own words as clearly and as thoroughly as possible. Yeah. This one I have an issue with a little bit. What's that? Because sometimes people have been missing to take what they summarize and try to make the news translations. Uh, that's not what we're doing, though. All we're doing is we're trying to, like, so, for example, if, you, if, you, if, if we're, like, debating... Let's just say we're debating. Let's say we disagree about something. Mm-hmm. And you say something like, I believe that chocolate's the best flavor. And I say, I believe vanilla's the best flavor. Okay, fine. You say, well, chocolate's the best because you see and you, and you articulate an argument. And then if I come back, you say, okay, Stephanie, what I think you're saying is this. And I rephrase your statement and you say, yes, that's what I'm saying. What we're doing is, is I'm, I'm just verifying that I understand what you're saying by rephrasing it in my own words. And so – um, that's what I like. To, I like to boil it down. I'm not talking about re- rephrasing everywhere. I'm talking about boiling the whole thing down into like one phrase. So it, that's your takeaway. That's what you can. And then, so I don't think it's the same thing as you're not putting words in God's mouth. Right. That's like my fear though, because some people will do that and it's like, well, God didn't say that. You know? Okay, we, that's true. We're not claiming that God said this. We're claiming that this is what we're learning from the passage. Yep. Mm-hmm. So summarize, articulate the passage in your own words as clearly and thoroughly as possible with, this is key, action points to clarify how I should personally respond. Okay, why? Why is, why is it important to, um, to do this part? Oops, what just happened? I must have just messed that up. This is what we get for adding music to right? people's podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's coming back to bite me? Yeah. Why action points? Do you want to mean by action points or action, action like um, key point, like action um, bullet points that tell us to do things? Because the Bible is not just informational. Okay, the Bible God gave us His Word to tell us how to live. So if you get to the end of a Bible study, you say, "Okay, now I understand this passage better," but you don't have anything to do because of that, you've lost it. You you totally missed the point of Bible study. You've got to end your app. You've got to end the Bible study with application. Is it because God's word says this? I must do this. Does that make sense? You've got to come up with a list of things, or one, maybe one thing, maybe three things, whatever, maybe ten things I've got to change my mind about. Things I've got to change my life about. I've got to change because of what God is telling me to do. None of us is perfect. We've got to change. Any questions so far to my six steps? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's great. Yep. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What is that's really good? What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about myself? How do I need? What do I need to change? How do I need to change? Is that fair enough? How do I apply it? What can I do? Okay, that's really good. Yeah. It's really good. You can, um, the you know, scripture stands on its own, and we investigate it. We ask questions in order to get to the point. So, like, I, I preached a sermon series uh, a few years ago, though, I think it was 2014, on the Minor Prophets. And my whole idea going into it was, look, I don't want to preach everything about the Minor Prophets. That's going to take forever. And it really, frankly, most of it would be depressing. 
right? Because these guys are preaching about all kinds of things that are just sad. Um, people being abused and justice, no justice, and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so what if, my question was, what, is this, what does this book teach us about God? That was my question. And so I preached 10 or 11 sermons from the 12 books of the, old, of the Minor Prophets about what does this book teach us about who God is? That was my whole, it was called Knowing God from the Minor Prophets. That was it. So every book I talked about knowing God. I didn't care about, well, I did, but I, my point wasn't about who they were ministering to and what they were talking about as much, only as much as it dealt with who's God. So you can refine your questions you can, and you can learn something new every time. You don't have to have the same questions. This is just a good starting point. So I gave you a, uh, a thing there, a 1 Corinthians 13. Does everybody have it in front of you? Okay, you got a pen? All right, so here's what we got. Uh, in fact, what I was thinking of doing is I was doing this here. Do I want to keep my notations? No, I don't want to keep them. Um, I was going to do this. I have another document here. Here. Okay, this is what you guys have, right? Let's do this. How do I do that? I'm not a I'm not a Microsoft guy. Let me you just read see if I can. I'm trying to get it to go like like that. There we go, like that. Okay. All right. So now what I wanted to do, what's that? I didn't know you could do that. Uh, cool. That's not, that, that's Microsoft for you. I'm pretty. I like I like the way it does that. Okay. So I'm gonna come around here with you guys, and we're gonna look at this together. And um, I guess I could have used this, but what I actually want to do is. I want to um, read the passage, then I want to make a list of questions, and we're going to talk about these, okay? So let's do, uh, who wants to read um, these verses uh, right here? And this is New American Standard um, Bible, which is my favorite study Bible, personally. Um, let me make this a little bigger. Find a way to make this really look good. There we go. Who would like to read, say, those three, those verses right there? Okay. And I show you still a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so stern in mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, to prophecy nothing. Okay, who wants to read this? I can do it. Okay. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act uncomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth or with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Okay. I'll read this one. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. We can do this one. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. And I became a man and did away with childish things. But now we see in a very family, face to face. All right, very good. Uh, thank you very much for that. And I've 
once again, hold on, done something that I don't want to do. I'm just not as, there we go. Okay, let's try this again. Um, so what I'm, we talked about this, and I, I really have already divided this a little bit, but let's, as so we read the passage, let's make a list of questions. What kind of questions do you want to ask of this passage? I can get you started if you want. I've already made my list. Um, my first, uh, what are the tongues of men and of angels? Right, we can ask that question. What else do you want to? What else do you want to ask? What does it mean that uh, love believes? Right, that's a good question. What else you got? Can we really remove mountains with faith? Were you going to put that? No, like this is the simple stuff. Okay, uh, why is it a more excellent way? I mean, you just see. Here's your what, what, why, right? You got anything else you want to write down? How can I apply this to my life right now? How about this one? Um, why would someone surrender their body to be burned? Is that somehow a show of? Um, anything else? Ooh. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah? I have one. Sure. But it's one that I read online from this passage. Okay. Shoot. Where is it? It says that, um, I have to find it. Gosh darn it. I'm not writing that down. <laughs> it says that love is not uh, provoked and does not take into account wrong suffered. Does that mean that? Love can cover sins like homosexuality or, I don't know, um, premarital relationships and stuff like that. Huh. I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Uh, does not, okay, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. So then do we... Ignore wrongdoing slash sin because we love someone. In the name of love. In the name of love, right? That song. I believe in a thing called love. That song. Yes, ma'am. Oh no, I'm just ready answers. You're ready for the answers. We're not ready for the answers yet. We're asking questions right now. Yes. What's your question? See if I can get this. Ah. Do we profit from good works if they're not done in love? Is that what you're asking? Or not? Yeah. I'll put your mind. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, will we profit from good works done in love? 
uh, do good works, profit us. Like he says, it profits me nothing. He keeps saying that. Like, why would he say that if it doesn't profit us some way? Is that what you're kind of saying? Well, like he, uh, you know, three and four, he talks about all those good things. Like yeah, profits me nothing, yeah. Okay, so let's move along. Let's let's divide our... Very good. I think a lot of those questions are good. Let me read you some of my questions. Um, why is love so important? Uh, when he describes love, is there any particular reason for the way he descriptions are arranged? What is the gift of prophecy? Why is it done away with? Why will tongues cease? What knowledge will be done away with? What does he mean when those things will be done away with? How do we know when prophe- How do we know and prophesy in part? What makes that the case? Is it because we are people, or is it because we have limitations? What is the perfect that will come and do away with the partial? Is there any significance to being done away with, which is passive instead of active? I'm not expecting you to write these down. No, 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 no. I'm just going, there's a lot to get from this passage. Yeah. What does it mean with the picture of being a child? Speaking like a child? I, okay. Um, so let's divide the passage. What do you see? Any divisions here? <laughs> I kind of did it for you. Okay. Here's a division. Here's a division. Do you know why I divided it there? I want you to see this, okay? And this is stuff, I'm, I'm just kind of giving you a hint. This is the kind of stuff I do every week when I preach a sermon. I do this stuff, stuff like this. Not exactly. Divide it up. Figure out what's going on. Look at what's going on here. Uh, look at these. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. If, and no mysteries. And if I have all faith, so me but not have love, I am nothing. And if, I get an if. Okay, see a pattern here? No? You guys see a pattern here? What's your, what do you see? What's your pattern you see? If, as in, you can do all those things, but you have love in your heart. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. Okay. If I do this, but don't have love, okay, there's your phrase, but don't have love. In fact, I'm going to make that green. Um, I mean, but don't have love. What are the three things? I mean, we could spend the whole time talking about this phrase right here. I mean, this is a chock full. We're talking about, we could spend months working through this. I'm not kidding. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, what does he mean there? Okay, he's not saying that there is such a thing as a language of angels. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is if I had the ability, if it happened to have that ability, which I don't have, but if I don't have love, okay, how, how cool would it be to be able to speak the tongue of men and of angels? That would be awesome. But if I don't have love, I have become, instead of speaking the tongues of men and of angels, which is beautiful speech, I'm now a what? What is a no- okay? What do you know about a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? What's you? Uni- oh, if you're a musician, what's unique about a gong and a cymbal? You don't really have a specific pitch. No pitch. It it's noise. The same, the same right. Sound. You just hit it Well, it gets softer or louder, but it has no yeah. pitch. It has no distinction. You you can't communicate with it. Like a, a, a violin has a pitch. Pianos have pitch. You go up and down. A gong is You know, it's it's the same. Sound, a cymbal is a crash sound. It, it, it has noise. It's not distinguished. Versus speech, which has inflection, it has diction, it has pitch. And so he's saying what could be beautiful speech is turned to noise without love. That's, a, that's an amazing picture. 
Okay? And then he says this, if I have the gift of prophecy, no. And here he's talking about gifts of knowledge. Now, here's the a, here's a thing I want you to know about your Bible. If you have a, a couple translations, do this. Three translations I know of. King James, New King James, and New American Standard. ESV does not do this. If you'll notice, there are some, some italics. Now, I accidentally italicized this. I probably should undo that. I'll make this underlined. Italicized words, do you see some in here? There's one there. The gift of, you see that? You see how that's italics? You can hardly see it. That means that the translators put that in there in order to help you understand it better. But they're letting you know that it's, it's uh, supplied. It's a supplied clarity. It happens in every translation, but the New King James, the King James, and the New American Standard make it clear by putting it in italics. They're helping you see, okay, this is supplied. So it says, if I, and he says, if I have literally prophecy, what they're saying is, well, you don't have prophecy of the gift of prophetic okay. word. Okay, so they're helping us read it. But keep that in mind. That That is a really neat tool to know. It helps you see what's going on. <clears throat> and know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, these are all spiritual things here. Prophecy, knowing knowledge, all faith so I can remove mountains, but don't have love, I am what? Nothing. This is significance. This is talking about significance. The gift of prophecy is speaking for God. Knowing mysteries and knowledge is knowing all things like God. Having all faiths, so you can remove mountains. I mean, only God removes mountains. Yeah. I feel like um, when you said to remove mountains, it's not like physically mountains. No. If you have yeah. the love of God in your heart, then he, that love of God can turn a mountain into like a cloud. Like, that's okay, not I know what you're saying, and I think you're right in, in, if you're applying that directly, but I don't think that's the point he's making is not that you could actually move mountains. Yeah. What he's saying is this is, this is what I'm getting to is that this is extreme language. We call it hyperbole. So he's saying, even if these things, I could do these things, which no one can do. Even if I had all these spiritual gifts and all these amazing gifts, does anyone have all faith? I mean, does anyone have all knowledge or all, understand all mysteries? No, except God. You, know, you, can, you don't understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Of course not. He's not saying that you do. What he's saying is, even if you had this, but if you didn't have love, you're nothing. You're insignificant. I feel like it's like gifts are given without yeah. You know, you can have a gift, but you can use it for evil food all day. Okay. Yeah, and then, and then I want you to look at this last phrase here. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body, this is talking about sacrifice. It pro- And people sacrifice because it profits them, because in the end, it's a benefit. You don't, you, I mean, but he's saying, I mean, spiritually benefit. You can debate about that later. But the idea is, he's saying, in the end, it doesn't profit me anything. If I don't have love, I can give up everything I have, but it doesn't do anything if I don't have love. So basically what he's saying here is he's, and and see these repeated ideas. Uh, We've obviously already done this. We're marking repeated words or ideas right now. Um, Let's just, let's do this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh my goodness. What I just did. This is the problem when you're a Mac person trying to do shortcuts on a, on a PC, you just you hit wrong buttons. You're so used to. I'm serious. I'm so used to hitting buttons to to do things. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Is not taken account of long suffered. Did I say something wrong? No, no, we're saying this is really good. Oh, okay, 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 good. Do not rejoice in iniquity. 
Rejoices in the truth. I'm going to actually keep that together because it's kind of connected. Rejoice, rejoice. See that? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, I want you to notice something. This is just, I've already done this work, okay? So I don't expect you to be like, oh, obviously. It takes time to get this. I'm giving you some hints, okay? Look at this. You have positives. Oops. Two positives here. Patient and kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then a bunch of negatives. Okay? Love does not brag. Love is not jealous. And is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Isn't this interesting? Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Okay? So you got two positives. A bunch of negatives. You see how he's doing this? He's structuring this? And then he ends it with a bunch of all things. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay. Now, we don't have a ton of time to finish this. Uh, but this little passage here is tricky. Um Any idea? Let's go back to the beginning. If you had to summarize this first section, how what would you call it? The conditional statements. The conditional statements. How about how about the? Uh, I would say the overwhelming value. How's that? I would so the entire passage. No, just this first these first few verses here. This section here. Because he's talking about the value of love. If you have if you have all this but don't have love, what are you? Nothing. Yeah. And if you do all this but don't have love, you're nothing. If you if you do all this but don't have love, it profits you nothing. Okay, so I think this is telling you about the value of love. And that it that it's it's surprising. It's surprising. It's overwhelming. Right? Um this section this second section I call it the uh um, surpassing beauty of love, right? Because the idea behind the beauty of love is it's describing love to us. Okay, love's patience, kind. Love is not jealous. It is not bragging. And when you're jealous and when you brag and when you're arrogant and when you act unbecomingly, when you seek your own way, you're not being loving. No. You're opposite. You're doing the opposite of love. Okay. Uh, and then, so if that's the description of love, so we have the value of love. Okay, this is why it's important. This is what it looks like. What, what would y'all say about this last section? Any any ideas of those you've studied before? I'm just going to catch the last, the last the last one here. This last eight through thirteen. Any? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to put the um, eternality of love, okay? So we have the eternality of love, the fact that it's eternal. Love is not temporary. Uh, love never fails. Uh, when it says it never fails, it doesn't mean that it always succeeds. What it means is that it never ceases or it never stops or it never will cease to exist. And this is really this is really profound. I want you to, not because it comes from me, but because I think this is what he's teaching. And it's really, I think, the most profound part of this whole thing. If there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. Okay, why will prophecy eventually be gone? Because we'll be in heaven and know God face to face, right? Well, you need somebody to tell you God's word 
Well, you need somebody like me to sit here and say, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. No, you'll go to Jesus and talk to Jesus yourself. Okay? You're not going to need a prophet. Okay? Uh, if there are tongues, they will cease. Okay? Um, I think this is talking about languages, human languages, the idea of communication. Maybe it's talking about the gift of tongues, whatever. They're going to go away. Okay? Because you're going to know. You won't need this... this uh, ambiguous way of communicating language. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Okay? Knowledge is going to fail. Knowledge is going to go its own way. It's going to cease. It's not going to be needed anymore. For, and he explains it here. Anytime, like I've said this in church many times, but anytime you see the word for, you know you're dealing with an explanation. We know what? Knowing what? In part. We prophesy in part because we're here. Because we're people, and because we haven't gone to heaven yet. But when the perfect comes, now what's the perfect? Um, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about what that means. I believe that's talking about the perfect state. That's in it's when uh, when you're no longer bound by this body, and now you're uh, with the Lord. The partial, the the, the uh, where we are now, the mortal will be done away with, will be perfected. And then he gives this is an illustration. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I was a man, I did away with challenge things. Hey, right now, it's like you're a child. You don't fully understand. You don't fully comprehend. You need someone to work to help you. You need a prophet. You need some. You, know, you need people to do this stuff. Okay, when you are a man, you put away childish things. You grow up. You mature. And he's describing our – this is the first illustration to describe our eternal state with God is that we are going to be mature. We're going to be – we're going to know. And he says that. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. The difference between a mirror, and think about the mirrors they had back then. They were polished bronze. They weren't like our glass mirrors. You could look at it really clearly. You could see every pimple and dot and pore on your face. These things were like blurry and, 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 and dim. And so the point he's making is, is that just, you know, that's what we, so we see now, but then it's face to face. Brilliant face to face. Now I know what in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have fully been known. As God knows me, I will know. Wow. Think about that. Here's the profound part. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. Okay, this is the Christian triad, as they call it. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is... Why? Okay. What are we talking about? Okay, so in the context, why is hope, why is hope, uh, love the greatest? God is love. Yes. There you go. I think. Okay. I, I, I kind of. I'm trying to lead you to this because I know we're over t- like two minutes. Will you need faith in heaven? No. No, because you'll see. Right. <laughs> Will you need hope in heaven? No. no, because your hope will be realized. Will you? Will love be in heaven? Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's what's going to exist forever. Faith and hope, believe it or not, are, are, are temporal things. They're things because we are where we are, because we have not yet fully realized our salvation in the sense that, yes, you're saved, but you have not experienced the, the glorification of God in heaven. You are living a life of faith and hope now and of love. But in, when the end comes, when love, when the, when the Lord comes, and when we are brought back to heaven, or whatever comes first, you die, you go to be with God, you are going to be 
full of love towards him and he towards you. Love will exist in heaven. It will, faith and hope will not. And that's why it's the greatest, because it's eternal. And it has value beyond this temporal world. I think this is just one of the f- best passages in all of us. I mean, it's just one of my favorites. And I've thought about this and memorized this and, dwell, and, and meditated on this for for years and years and years. And so if I think about it, we, we, we plowed through it. I wanted to kind of get through to the end because I wanted you to see it big picture. But you can see how these six steps... How would you articulate the passage? I kind of just did that a little bit. Okay? And I'll go to my main points. The love is so valuable and it's so beautiful and it is so eternal. I mean, it's, it's great. Okay, any questions? Can we go back to our list of questions? Okay, so our list of questions here. Um, what are the tongues of men and of angels? I say that is... Uh, 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 no, I, I just call it um, uh, exaggerated speech. Right. It's, it's not, he's not meaning to say you actually are speaking with those. What does it mean that love believes all things? Okay, see, this is where we get into um, believes all things. It means that uh, you, you give people the benefit of the doubt. It's the idea of believing people. Um, you don't, you're not cynical. Cynical. You know, cynical people are not loving people. And that's hard to believe because our culture right now loves cynicism. Oh, yeah, right. That's really what's going on. Yeah. Cynic, cynical hearts are not loving hearts. I'm sorry. So what's cynical again? Cynical is being like, oh, right, right. You're like, oh, I'm sorry I was late. I, I, you know, I, I, was, I ran into some traffic. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. So you don't believe. Yeah, it's a, it's a lack of belief. And what does love do? Believes all things. Yeah, but love don't. I don't Doesn't believe a lie. What it's, okay. it's not that you believe a lie. It's that, it's that you give people the benefit of the doubt. When you love, and you know this is true in, in your relationship, you give people the benefit of the doubt. You know why I know that most people really love themselves? They give themselves the benefit of the doubt all the time. Too much. <laughs> well, I, I could eat this cookie. Right. I mean, I've been working hard today, right? Give myself the benefit of the doubt. Um, is that answer to that question about believing all things, sort of? I, I hope's all things is the same. Hope's all things is the same kind of thing, where it's the idea of hoping. And uh, hoping is not just like, oh, I hope it works out. It's more like an expectation, an eager expectation of, of doing things with an expectation of something happening. Um, and I'm sorry we're over, but um, there's. Have you guys ever? Um, do you guys know who Cormac McCarthy is? Cormac McCarthy is an American writer. He wrote the. There's a movie out that he wrote called uh, No Country for Old Men. He also wrote The Road. He's kind of a famous post-apocalyptic. Anyway, he wrote this book called No Country for Old Men, which is one of my favorite American novels ever. And in it, he talks about. There's an image there I just think is tremendous. He, he says that a man comes across a a rock carved animal trough in a field and he says what kind of man takes the time to carve out an animal trough out of solid rock the time the expense the work he's like the man who does that believes that this is going to be around for his kids and his grandkids and his great grandkids he has confidence in this country his confidence in his people his confidence of the future People who have confidence in the future invest in the future. People who don't have confidence. You look at countries that have no stability. They don't have any investments. They don't. I mean, all they build up one day can be taken away by the government, right? There's no, there's no hope. There's no future expectation. And what he's saying here is that love hopes all things. There's this expectation of future. When you get married to somebody, trust me, there's a lot of unknown. But you hope all things. You say, look, you put, you put your shoulder to the plow. I put my shoulder to the plow. We make this work. And you put a lot of hope in that person. And you're willing to do it. Don't be cynical with that person. Don't say, you know, don't look at them and make sure they're working every five minutes. 
you you trust them as a trust that's there with with love. Um, uh, surrendering your body to be burned is the same thing as I think uh, speaking in tongues of men and angels. This idea of extravagant, ridiculous image that says you know this is something no one would really do, but if it happened and you didn't have love, uh, no. I don't know if I can answer that question about love covering sins. Um, and that's not what it's saying. Uh, I think someone who would say that is trying to uh, twist it a little bit. Um, does not take into account wrong suffer just means that you don't hold grudges. Yes, ma'am. Um, love covering sins. I feel like how I read the passage mm-hmm. is, you know, how Jesus died on the cross, and so his love for us covered our sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as, like, sins, well, if you see someone, like, you know, going the wrong path, you love them. That means, you know, hey, you know, you try to warn them. But right. love is also, I mean, it's not stupid either. So it's like, okay, I love you, but, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to condemn you if you go the wrong path. I'm going to still be open on you. Yeah, there's a lot of passages of Scripture that talk about how to deal with someone who's going the wrong path. Uh, you're supposed to warn them. You're supposed to encourage them to go to the right. But you're right. You, it's not our job to condemn. It's our job to warn yeah. and to and to help people. Now, what this is talking about, this idea of of um, not taking into account a wrong, is that is that some people get offended all the time. And he's saying if you lo- if you're a loving person, you don't get offended. You assume you give people the benefit of the doubt. If Laura said something to me. Or say she tripped me on the way in the door or something. And she was, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe Laura would be so mean to trip me. No, she didn't mean to do it. She just it was an accident. You know, she was but busy. She meant to do it. But, well, if she meant, if she was like, ha ha ha, if she laughed at me, I'd be like, okay, we need to talk. But but Laura didn't even know. Like it was obvious she didn't know, and I didn't know. I mean, I could just sit in there and, and really stew on it and say, man, she's so evil. Like she didn't even blink. She just did it and just walked away. You see people do that. And they say, these oh, people they hate. My teacher hates. When I hear from college students, my teacher hates me. Really? Your teacher hates you? Are you sure? Oh, you, oh it's unbelievable. Gives me terrible grades. This is bad with high school students, really. I look at their papers. I'm like, nah, your paper is pretty bad. <laughs> There's no reason you got the grade you got. You know. So what I'm saying is, is that love gives benefit of the doubt. It does not assume wicked intentions. Okay, this could bring up a lot. We're wait, we're over like 10 minutes, so I don't want to take any more time. Yes, ma'am. Sure. I think Jamel mentioned this, I'm not sure, but um, so what you're doing, if you don't have love, it prophecy nothing. Yeah. And my question is like, okay, what if I know I'm, like, something I need to do is the right thing? Right. But in my heart, I'm struggling with having the right attitude about it, you know? Okay. So it's not done part of love that Good question. Was that what you were asking earlier? Is like motive? What if you don't feel like doing it? Should you still do it? Sort of. But this is, but I'll take it that way. That's a really good question. Okay, should you do something? Okay, it's like, I know I need to do something, but I don't want to do it. Should I do it anyway? I think yes, because it depends like this. I look at it as discipline. I mean, like, I, you know, I don't want to be up tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., but I got to do it. I don't, you know, I don't feel like always going to church, but my love of Christ was like, you know, if you love me, you follow my commandments. So it's like, okay, I go to church. I don't feel like it, but I feel like for me, during that action, will slowly change your, like, I, I think, I think you're, you're hitting on something there. Let me ask you a question. Is love a feeling? What is love? What is love? Baby, don't. What is love? Is it a feeling? 
it's a decision. It's a decision to prefer someone better than yourself. Jesus loved. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Love is giving. So your question of doing this but not feeling like it, actually doing it is the most loving thing ever because you're not, it's not about feeling. It's about choosing to give to that person. And, and if it's love, if it's about, it's about feeling, if it's about yourself, in fact, if you benefit, if, notice, if it's all about me, is that love? That undercuts all what love is about. Right? If it's only about me. Now, the irony of love, and this is what's so interesting about marriage love, the irony of marital love is that in giving, you receive. And you receive great pleasure from loving your wife or from loving your husband, just in companionship even. That you, but, you know, you give, and in giving, you receive. But you don't set out to receive. If you start out your relationship, your dating relationship, marriage relationship, whatever, like, I want to be loved, guess what? You're going to be miserable. Because that's not how you approach love. Your love is, I want to give love to that person. The whole Bible set up that way. First Corinthians 7, when it talks about marriage relationships, always talks about giving to the other person. That's, if you just focus on giving, that's how you love. That kind of answer your question. So that that's why. Any, anything else? I, I love this. I mean, I love this passage. We could we could talk about this for another three hours, and I would I would we'd find more stuff to talk about. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, I was looking at the real big profit. I think you just answered that. Yeah. Probably. I think it as you know, works can get you to heaven. So. I don't know, that's how you you can't do works to get you to heaven. Right, you can't do works to get to heaven, no. So it's like, no, not. Well, but that's not really what he's saying here. He's really talking about, I, I mean, it might be a, it might be part of it, but really he's talking about the, the value. The, the, it is the thing. If you don't have love, forget it. It's the it factor. It makes all the difference. Okay. The thing I can do is, uh, I was thinking of doing one more of these next next week. And that'll be how we finish out the year. But we can we can take if you have any more questions about this passage, we can talk about that next week.